You are now tuned in to the December 26er podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. What's up, 26ers? Welcome to the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and we have a very special episode. Our producer, Demarcus Adisa, is joining us for this episode. How you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, feeling on the weather, you know, got me sounding like a revival preacher, <laughs> but I am here. Just took some Robitussin. Waltussin. Let's keep it all the way real. All right. I took some generic store brand. Walgreens store brand Waltussin DM. And uh, but it's non-drowsy, so I'm here with you. Demarcus definitely sounds like he preached a revival for the last three nights. <clears throat> Father God. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, we decided to do this episode um, because if you are an avid listener of the show, you know that our episodes drop on Tuesdays and Tuesday this year happens to be Christmas Day. So while we have a stockpile of amazing interviews that we want to bring to you, we didn't want to give one of our guests that day where everybody's, you know, with their families and opening gifts, gifts and stuff and may not be interested in our little old podcast. So we didn't want them to be in a situation uh, that Mariah Carey was in when the Glitter soundtrack got released on September 11th when nobody is paying attention. So we thought it would be a good time uh, to do a year in review, especially because our one year anniversary is on the 26th. Right. One year of podcasting. And we've got something special coming out on that as well. So I brought Demarcus in. He's a fan favorite um, his episode so we decided to do the little sibling thing uh, for this week and after you guys you know have time with your families and eat good and laugh and all that great stuff maybe you will check out this episode as well I still, uh, you know going back to that Mariah Carey reference I still feel like we're gonna do numbers that's just me I mean the blueprint dropped on 9-11 as well and Jay-Z sold like 400,000 this is true that week so it might have been Mariah well I mean I didn't listen to the glitter soundtrack so I don't know if it was good or not. I know the movie didn't do too well. The movie was panned. So, but hardcore Mariah fans will tell you that that was a good album that people slept right. on because it was 9-11. But you are correct. Blueprint did come yeah, out the same it, day. It did like 400,000 that week. So I don't know if it was Mariah. I don't know what it was. But I feel like Christmas, family, no family, holiday, no holiday. We, we're still going to get the numbers set. Kwanzaa, when you get into your Kwanzaa <laughs> thing, you know, just take a few moments out, take an hour out right. to listen to this episode. Loja. Loja. Nia, I need I need y'all to listen with y'all Nia ears. That means purpose, okay? <laughs> Habari Ghani, what's really going on? What's happening? We're starting. Listen, we know what's interesting is this is our year in review, and we are recording this episode under the same circumstances that we recorded right. the premiere episode. Late at night, exhausted, so many other things going on at the time. So yeah, it's a bit of a full circle it's, moment. It's full circle. But I'm glad we're doing it. So let's get into it. I mean, people don't even really know how this show came about. I think the guests do, because I have this conversation with each and every guest that comes on the show. But I don't think people know, like, how this became a podcast. Maybe I think I might have talked about it in episode one. I don't even remember. But. I think you spoke more to about the origins in the blog well, you might have. I mean, that uh, seriously, this year feels like three years. Because we packed a lot in. A lot in in one single year. So you might have spoken about it. I just don't recall. Yeah. So December 26er, the podcast started as December26er.com, a blog that I launched on April 9th, 2013. 
you know, April 9th. Right, right. So April 9th is the anniversary of our grandmother's death. I launched the blog four years after she passed away as the first nod to her. There are many nods to our grandparents and ancestors on the show. Um, But if you go all the way back in the archives to the first post, which I'll probably end up talking about at some point in this episode, it was all about her, Um, you know, being resourceful, doing what you need to do uh, to make things happen. And what's interesting is I started this whole site about being extraordinary on an ordinary day and then went through my own period of personal crisis. So After doing the blog and putting out what I thought was some great material, I decided I couldn't do it anymore. Um, So I took a break, put it on the back burner for a number of years. And then people started saying, I really liked the content that you were putting out with December 26er. What happened? And I was like, ah, some things went on in my life. And um, I decided to just put it on pause. It's going to come back at some point. I don't really have the time to write right now and upload the site and do everything that it takes. And I did not come up with the podcast idea. A couple of other people said, you should do a podcast. I was like, "Mm, who's going to listen to me talk? Who wants to hear that? Um, But after hearing it more than once and then looking into it and doing some research, I was like, hmm, I think this is a possibility. I think this can be done. And just decided to pull the trigger and then pulled producer extraordinaire DeMarcus into it. And here we are. Here we are. I still don't know what the producer is. <laughs> okay. So, uh, little known black history fact about the December 26th podcast. I went to DeMarcus and said, do you want to produce this show? And you were like, I don't even know what a producer I is. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't know what that is. Like, what, what exactly would I be doing? And you were like, I don't know. And I said, I don't know, but I think it's something that you can do. And I literally went on the internet and found like a job description for um, producing a show. I mean, I knew part of it would be conceptualizing the show, you know, finding guests, helping come up with like uh, helping me come up with like subject matter, et cetera. Um, But then when I read a job description, I was like, oh, he can definitely do this. Right. So. Demarcus came on board. You came on board and uh, made it happen. Okay, and I've been here ever since. Who those early days of editing those episodes? Yeah, before, before we um, hired, before we outsourced the editing, those were not not good days at all. Just computer, just giving up on me. Garage band, just saving over files, all sorts of things. It was very man. bootleg in the beginning. Right, man. Very. Some will say we're still bootleg. I like to call it um, rugged, <laughs> with the sirens in the background of our episodes. Oh, that's, uh, it's organic. It is very organic, but I've come to actually like it. At some point, we'll probably move to a real studio and all of that. But for now, we do what we have to do. We do what we have to do. We make it happen. We make it work. These are real stories from real people in the real New York, not, you know, some sound state somewhere in Palo Alto. Yeah, no. So at some point, you know, we'll, we'll take the production value up. But for now, we're doing what we need to do. Right. And people listen anyway. They they look past, they look beyond our faults and see the good. Yeah. Um, and I, I won't even call them faults. It's what makes the show unique and what makes it ours. So I'm good with it. So, yeah, that that's how the show came about. That's how DeMarcus got involved. And then I think he got into the role and made it his own and just took it and ran with it. Right. Because I, I, I feel like with anything you 
when you get into a new role and you're unsure of it and it's something that you haven't done before and even all parties of all this is something new to you you think it's going to be one thing and once you start doing it you realize there's other parts to it all right so i'm like okay that's just you know putting a show together coming up with ideas and then you realize like no i have to build a whole system out for not only finding guests but booking these guests right having correspondence with these guests building like a crn system to maintain relationships and communication with these people, following up with these people to make sure they have release forms, they show up on time. Like it's a whole rollout. It's like, you know, I'm babysitter, producer, you know, grip man, mic man. No, literally everything. Everything. I'm running to get donuts, <laughs> giving people chapstick before, before the cameras come on, just all sorts of things. Right. So, I mean, for something that is still effectively for all intents and purposes, a passion project, it does take a lot of work. And, you know, we've been fortunate, I think, in that most of our guests take it seriously. Right. And they show up on time, they show up prepared, um, et cetera. But I think in the beginning, when we first started trying to get people to come on the show, just nobody knew what it was. Right. So it was just like, what is this? Like, you know, and and um, trying to get people to commit to a date and just all that back and forth. Um, it was not it was not easy. It's like we were like a dental appointment or something. Like, seriously, you'd have something like set and booked and then somebody has to move it at the last minute, not realizing like we're invested. This is not just our time, money, like what it takes to put it together. And a last minute change can cause serious, serious problems, right. which is how we ended up doing that UK episode with just the two of us, because we had gone through, jumped through all these hoops to make it happen. And then the guest could make it at the last I minute. I ain't gonna lie, I was a little tight. <laughs> I was a little tight because I'm like, here we are. We, we've we've flown across an entire ocean mm -hmm. and someone else's yard, you know, we have reached out, you know, scheduled this, you had an agreement. It's like, I, I'm sorry, I can't make it. It's not It's not like, like we went to the Bronx or something. Like, right. We went to Long Island. Like, I'm in the UK. I had to get my passport stamped to be here. And we were like racing back from Paris. Like, it was like a whole thing. Um, um, if you want to check out that UK episode, we get into it a little bit more on there. Um, but what's so crazy is that the UK episode was one of our most popular episodes. Right. That's what's so nuts. And it was just us, us. like on the fly. And it was shorter than the normal conversations Very that we have. organic on a, a steaming hot day in London. With no AC in that studio or pod, whatever we were in. That was crazy. But it worked out. It worked out. We met a very interesting person and got to talk. That was a moment. I got to add something else to my bio on IG. I'm international podcaster. International podcaster. So what do you think people would be shocked to find out about us, the show, anything? Um, That our social lives are like non-existent. Non-existent. Like. Gone. Gone. I don't, I don't. Have, what is that? What is a social life? And uh, well, I'll say this. Not that they're completely non-existent because, I mean, you've done a couple of things for the right, holidays. Right. I was at dinner earlier, but it's at a cost. Like we had, we're now recording very late because of that. Um, And also what I find, this is probably the hardest part is that when I do go to social things, I'm there, but I'm not really there. Right. Because either I'm just so exhausted 
that I'm not really checked into the whole thing or there's something else going on somewhere else. So like tonight I was at dinner, but I was texting back and forth with you for editing on footage. Right. So I'm looking at clips, dealing with issues there, production issues. So um, for something that is still so small, it takes so much. And this is not our only passion project that we're working on right, right. now. So um, it has been a sacrifice and it's not a sacrifice that everybody understands. Right. Because there's, there's always work to be done. Like, and then you make a commitment and then something pops up. So for instance, I made a commitment weeks ago that I would go to a friend's birthday party. And I went yesterday, but I'm thinking like, I want to stay out too late. You know, I want right. to go. I want to have a good time. But because I know I have things to do, but in a, and I didn't want to flake on them. But I went, had a great time, end up staying out late. I didn't get I walked in the door. It's 455 this morning. Mm hmm. I was up at eight. I was up, but my body wasn't up. My body my eyes, was not. <laughs> my eyes were wide open, but I like in the bed, could not move. And, you know, we were supposed to record in the morning. I was like, oh, we'll do it in the afternoon. I was supposed to record something else. I had to go all the way to the Bronx. Then I was like, oh, you know, I'll swing by the editor, take a look at the video, and then, you know, we'll come back and wrap this podcast up in the evening. But, you know, I didn't leave the editor's house. You know, I showed up about 3.30. I didn't leave till about 11.30. It's crazy. Like, and I, I think, people think that this is just a fun thing that we do and it is I mean I wholeheartedly enjoy it but we take it very seriously right. and the, the vision that we have long term where we see the show going from a production perspective you know themes branching off into other things we're definitely not there yet it is still rugged and organic but we try to put out the best content that we can and that takes time it takes effort it takes resources um, and other people who have strong skills skill sets where we don't um, but also too like another Diddy reference which I probably have brought up on the show before but I'm going to reiterate it here when I was watching the documentary on the Bad Boy reunion tour mm -hmm. and they were revealing the set that they put together for for Diddy and he was just unimpressed and he was like yeah those lights like the lights look cheap to me now I'm looking at it you know as like just you know the regular lay, lay person and I'm like oh this set is amazing but he could not get past the lights were not what he wanted he could not get past that um and to the naked eye or somebody, if this is not what you're passionate about and not what you do, you may not understand that. But because I know what it is that we want to make and, and the way we're invested in this show, it is frustrating sometimes when things don't turn out the way we intend or having right. a vision in your head and you can't get it out because people just don't get it. Um, and that's something that we've been grappling with in the last few weeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Up until today. Um, and we had to make a decision that, you know what, this is not what we intended it to be for a product that we're working on, but we got to put it out there anyway. But, but the show must go. The show must go on. So I think we've both had to like kind of scale back our perfectionism right. a little bit. You have to, what's the term? Like temper expectations. Right. Temper expectations. And, and again, realizing that what we're putting out is to people who they might think it's great, but because we know the vision that we had in, in right. mind, you know, um, for us, it's a little bit disappointing. Right. And I have to like stop myself from basically saying, no, we're, right. we're not releasing this at all. Um, but I go back to a quote that I read that that said, if, if whatever it is, your project or brand or your product or service is perfect, when you release it, you waited too long. Right. Um, so that's something that I have to 
remind myself of that right. we're going to grow over time. We're going to grow over time. And first of all, I just want to congratulate myself <laughs> for using an idiom in context at 2.06 in the morning. So that <laughs> that's one. Second of all, I mean, I, we're still, I mean, it's the first year. We're paying dues and we're learning as we're growing, right? So uh, we are currently enrolled in the University of Experience and the tuition is the mistakes and the money that we dole out, right? But we're making those mistakes now so we don't make them down the road. So, you know, with everything that's transpired in the past month, we pulled off a lot, you know, in a short period of time with a, with a small amount of money, but we made it happen. It didn't live up to, you know, it, you know our expectations of what we necessarily thought it would be, but it's still something that we're going to offer. Nonetheless, you have to recognize you have to start somewhere. I mean, Tyler Perry, hate him, I love him, started off doing these plays with these weird wigs with microphones on, his <laughs> on the forehead. Yeah, like they didn't even have the lavalier mice. The mice was literally in the middle of everyone's forehead. But those VHS is like propelled. Put up numbers. Put up numbers and propelled him to where he is today. That he has that soundstage that everyone is filming on in Atlanta. He's employing half the city with that soundstage. So So you have to start somewhere. And that's where we're starting, you know, with not quite with microphones in the middle of the forehead. No, we're not going that far, but... But this is our starting point. This is our growing pains. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to 2019. I have a little bit of anxiety, not going to lie, because we are juggling a lot of things, not just recording podcast episodes. But um, I think we have some good momentum going. And I feel like we're building this little tribe, like this little army of people who get it um, and they ride with us and they're loyal. So I'm looking to see that grow and expand. Um, But what do you think have been like the low points for you in the past year doing the show? Blowing the mic like a Baptist preacher. (laughs) Um, The low points doing the show. Mm. I think just the initial just the initial run trying to figure it out. Right. Because once you the key to doing a podcast, the key to doing anything in life is like just being consistent. Right. So before we, you know, kind of figured out what the groove was, is getting a system in places every week trying to scramble. All right. We need a location, mm-hmm. we need a topic. We need a guest. We need to secure these things. Right. And have this secured and ready to go cut edit. you know, everything ready to go by Tuesday morning. That was a struggle on top of the daily hustle of, okay, how am I making my money today? Right. Right. So that was just like extra anxiety because it's like, you know, I don't want to let my partner in this down, but also I don't want to let my family down because it's not like it's just we're like just business partners. We're literally family members. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I can't let my big sister down. Right. And I mean, what people don't know is that you, you've been a freelancer yeah. through this whole process. Right. So if anybody knows anything about freelancing in the gig economy, you got to take the work when it comes. Um, so managing that with a scheduled show. And in the beginning, like we have a stockpile of episodes now, like we're good until, you know, for a few more weeks. And then we're recording, what, five, six more episodes in a couple of weeks. So um, but in the beginning, it literally it would be like the week before a show. And we're like, who? are we going to get on this week? It literally was just like begging people to make themselves available. And now we're thankfully in a situation where we have a pretty good pipeline, but managing that and trying to figure out scheduling with you on your, your freelance thing, your several hustles and gigs. I'm over here trying to lawyer and negotiate contracts and do all these things. And it just for a moment there, I was like, this is exhausting. I mean, I I went into it knowing it was going to be difficult and it wasn't all just going to flow seamlessly, but I think I even underestimated how much it really takes to do something consistently, which is why a lot of people start these kinds of projects like blogs and podcasts and they're done 
um, after a few episodes or people do it in seasons because it's hard to to keep it up over time. It's it's like having a full time job that you don't collect a check. for. Literally that you just end up shelling money out for to get it out there. Right. It's just the long term investment that one day I will receive a check from this and it will mean something. It, it could be, you know, a month from now, it could be a year from now, it could be 10 years from now. But the key is actually, you know consistency but right. like you said that's why a lot of people start podcasts and they fall off because it just seems so easy all i have to do is sit down in front of a mic and talk but no you have to be interesting you have to be perspective you know your audience doesn't care that you have a cold or that you're tired or that it is two o'clock on a monday morning they expect a certain once you get in that flow they expect content to be there they expect it and people will say like well, what happened <laughs> you know to to the episode um, so, yeah, I think for me, the low point is having our integrity questioned. Yeah. So I think I went into this saying, oh, you know, I want to inspire people to live as the highest version of themselves and take consistent action every single day to manifest their vision and create the life that they want. Um, and I think sometimes you go into these types of situations and you automatically think because your intentions are pure that everything's just going to line up and people are going to automatically see that and that's just not the case so we had a situation um where there's some miscommunication misunderstanding whatever but accusations were thrown at us and i was taken aback by like what that's not who i am at all that right. if you look at what this show is about how can i be that publicly and then have bad intentions privately to use someone um you know or to step on someone to get to the next level so for me it was a bit devastating um and I think we probably spent more time than we should have trying to explain ourselves. And it just got to a point where I realized everybody's not going to get it. And that's OK. Speak your peace, cut your losses and keep it moving because you can't get that time back. Um, so that was like a low point for me, thinking that something that was glittering was gold and it really wasn't. And to, to know that I was questioned, my integrity was questioned in the process. That was probably my lowest point in the last year. I'd agree. I have nothing to add to that situation whatsoever. <laughs> Peace and Godspeed. We'll leave it right there. I have nothing else to say. Got it. I think DeMarcus still has a few strong feelings about that situation, but he's not going to get into it here. I'm going to be respectful. That's all I can be. You addressed it. You are the spokesperson, <laughs> right? You can Jay-Z the situation. I will be Dame Dash and the the, the uh, meeting rooms with Kevin Lyles and Leo Cohen. <laughs> so I'm just going to be quiet. It's not my position to do PR for the December 26th podcast. Right. Yeah, this this wound is still a little fresh. How about we say that? It is still a little fresh. <laughs> but it's all good. Um, it was a lesson learned. It was an expensive lesson, both in time, money, personal feelings, the whole nine. But at the end of the day, one thing that I appreciate is that there are a lot of tools in my bag. And if nothing else, I can fall back on my way with words, my business acumen, and the fact that I am a lawyer. Right. And things will get shut down at the end of the day. So, right. um, so yeah, I didn't think I'd have to take it there this early in the process, but whatever. It happened. Here we are. Um, Just had to pay a little bit to more, more tuitions. We thought, you know, we only had 12 credit hours for this semester, but it was actually 18. And we had to, we had to get those, you know, those few extra, the extra <laughs> six in there. Right. Um, but it was fine. 
lines. That was that was probably my low point. You, I, you know, I, I think we want to be known for having a certain reputation. And to see that going off track this early in the process, it shook me a little bit. It rattled me a little bit, rattled my cage. But it's all good. It's all good. It was just a temperature check. Mm-hmm, for sure. Things were settled. They were handled peacefully and respectfully. And we're moving forward. Absolutely. What are your biggest pet peeves doing the show besides my perfectionism? Um, my pet peeves are actually with the guests most of the time because it's like, you know, you take all this time to reach out with, to people and there people have gotten better about it and follow all the people to get the materials and people drag their feet. And it's like, I'm trying to help you. This is a platform for you to shine. Right. And like, help me help you. I mean, people have gotten better, but I just feel like initially the people would drag their feet. You know, they would set up a time. Oh, we have to change it. I don't know if I can make it. And it's like, well, let's play it by ear. That's my favorite. Let's play it by ear. Like things don't work (laughs) like that. Like because what you don't realize is you're putting on what I have on delay. Mm -hmm. And like I'm not getting paid for any of this. Like this is all sweat equity Like that I'm, I'm putting into this. Like respect my time. Respect my time. Please respect my time. Right. And I I think like for me, I still get that on the front end with like people know, we set up this autonomous process where people can go in and schedule time if they're a prospective guest for the show to speak to me to do all that prep that we do. And people blow the time slot off without like explanation Mm -hmm. and not realizing what it takes for me to meet that time frame. Like for me to actually be somewhere quiet to take that call (laughs) at the time that they requested. So um, and it happens. I mean, there's been a couple of times where I've had to miss the call and said, hey, you know, sorry, what have you. And then there is one time where I just completely forgot. But people will just blow it off and then you won't even hear from them. That that is the crazy part. Like no explanation, no text. I'm sorry. Um, But I, I am learning there, too, that like when people do that for me, it just it shows who you are. And I'm not chasing you. So it's it's like, OK, well, you missed it. Um, go back in and reschedule if you so choose. And if not, you know, that's fine, too. So people just being being respectful of time in general is uh, has been a challenge. It is definitely getting better, though, but it has been a challenge right? for sure. So looking back on the last year, what is the most surprising moment for you? Uh, the most surprising moment over the last year, um, I'd have to say was recently I was at a event. Shout out to Jeff Lindor uh, and Sam Pierre. You both know they, guests of the show. Both guests of the show. Um, Jeff was actually the first guest that we had on the show. But Jeff and Sam co-founded the Haitian American Caucus and they had their holiday party at the Gentleman's Factory in Brooklyn. And I was talking to a gentleman there and he was asking me about what was what I did. And I mentioned a podcast and I was like, he was like, oh, the December 26th podcast. And he just went on and on about how he listened to Jeff's episode and he listens every Tuesday. And he was like, yeah, Delisha or your sister. Right. And it was just one of those things. I've never met this guy a day in my life. And he knew you and he knew about the podcast and he knew me. And it it was just, it was kind of like, it's like surreal. Like, oh, right. like people are actually listening that like this thing is going out into the world. It's not like we got millions and millions of fans, but there's people who are actually listening and being cognizant of the things that we're saying. And like over time, we'll get to know you that feel like they know you because of the podcast. So like, I guess that was like one of the biggest things aside from recording overseas because... Yeah, I mean, the recording overseas thing was just next level. To be able to do that in the first year was great. Right. Um, but I think for me, it's the same thing. I was at a wedding reception and 
one of my best friends, her uncle came up to me and, and said, I listen to the podcast every single week. And when we when I think about uh, our demographic, you just assume that it's, you know, our friends, people in, you know, 27 to maybe 40 age bracket mm-hmm. and to know that we have folks who are older um, at a different stage in life who listen to the show and support it. And not only that, but take the things that we say to heart and are proud of us for doing it like that really touched me so shout out to uncle johnny augustus um for listening to the show every week out of philly um and supporting us so to know that there are just people out there who are down for what we're doing and are committed are committed i mean it makes me think cringe a little bit when people say some of the things that they say on the show right that the elders are listening um but however the been around they've been but they've around, been around the block they, they know name like up. johnny augustus he's been a part of a few dice games <laughs> Early on. I'm sorry, Uncle Johnny. You hear this episode? <laughs> Early on. Before Uncle Johnny got to say, he might have had a conk for shooting dice in South Philly. I don't think Uncle Johnny ever had a conk. I don't think that. I've only ever known him to be a man with a claw. Listen, man, every, every saint got a past. <laughs> and every sinner got a future. Lord, this is why you can only come on like three <laughs> times a year. This, this is why. Anyway, um, so yeah, that that has been surprising to me, just the the mix and the diversity that we have in terms of who actually listens to the show and the fact that people listen when the episode drops. Like we when things work seamlessly, we schedule the episodes to drop at midnight. Uh, West Coast time and 3 a.m. East Coast time on Tuesdays. And the first thing I do in the morning at about six is just check and see if anybody has listened. And we always have these listeners. And I'm like, who are these people listening, you know, in the middle of the night? But it's folks who are um, committed. They're committed and, you know, they're they're fans of the show and they're dedicated. And I, I appreciate that. Much sure. appreciated all around the world. All around the world. Shout out to South Africa. Right. Shout out to the listeners in South Africa. You are greatly appreciated. We'll, we'll, we'll come and see you eventually. Eventually. Live taping in South Africa. I'm naming and claiming it right now. Summer of uh, 2022. We're coming for you. Absolutely. So, I'll, you know, I'll pay play host for a second. Let me get my PD Green on. Um <laughs> What was your favorite moment on the podcast of 2019? I mean, 2018. 2018, excuse me. Um, I'm already thinking about the future. So. Listen, you know, you 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 got your your mind set on what's ahead. What's ahead? You're pressing towards the mark. I get it. Um, it's hard to narrow it down. I I think my favorite moment is a composite. I'll say two things. I'll say like my favorite experience um, with the with the show. The first being, if you listen to the show often, uh, dear uh, listeners, you know that we start every episode the same. You know, we ask people who is first name, last name. So one of my favorite moments is being surprised by what they say. You know, we do all this research. We have these prep calls with them. And going into it, we may have an idea of what it is that they want to talk about and what aspects of themselves they want to promote. And when people come in and throw that curveball and say something that is unexpected, it just makes for, I think, an even more organic conversation. Um, So that's probably the first thing um, that I really has been a favorite moment. And then people just being very willing to really delve into some of the darker moments in their personal stories um, and what they've had to overcome. I don't think we started the show with that in mind, that that is what it it was going to become. But people have come on and felt very comfortable really getting into the nitty gritty of who they are and what makes them the person that they are today. So, so far, that has probably been um, my favorite part of doing this, that 
that level of candor and honesty. What about you? Um, I guess I would just piggyback off of what you're saying. I appreciate uh, the transparency of our guests because I feel like the era that we are living in today is a, you know, it's a horse and pony show. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a lot of, sh- there are a lot of charlatans running around. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of uh, all sorts of uh magic going on on social media and people are presenting images that are tr- that aren't true and they're not being transparent. I, I love that our guests um, are coming on from their respective careers, whether they're, you know, entrepreneurs or creators or, you know, nine to five type of people and just speaking openly and transparently about their journeys. And some people have been honest enough to be like, I still haven't figured it out or mm-hmm. I'm still a work in progress to show like other people that they are not alone because I, and I say this all the time during the preliminary calls and when I initially speak to people or during the episode is just be yourself, share your story. You never know how your life may minister to someone. But it's very important, um, for especially when we're talking about black people specifically, that you are as transparent as possible and to humanize yourself. Because oftentimes when people see your highlight reel, your ESPN highlights on Instagram, they just think they make all these wild assumptions about you, mm-hmm. not knowing that you probably have more in common with this person you don't but if you see someone uh like you take stefan for example stefan you know is a news anchor emmy award nominated you hear him speak you think he's brian gumbel like he said during this episode so stefan was raised in the projects his mother was incarcerated didn't really know his father like but has done all these things in his life at a very young age still trying to figure it out and has managed to build a career for himself but he's still very much attached to baltimore right he's there now visiting I mean, um, his brother was shot this past year. Like, but looking at Stefan, you would think, oh, this is one of those bougie Jack and Jill types, Mm -hmm. like who has had everything handed from him. You know how back in the day he ain't black for he don't even speak like a black person when that's not the case. It's just terrific. So I the thing that I've enjoyed the most again is the transparency of the guests and the humanization of these guests and being able to show um a variety of stories, a variety of different backgrounds and take some of these people off of Mount Olympus and show how relatable they are to the world. Yeah, and I think for me, I've lived so much of my life feeling like a token. Right. And, you know, like I was on an island being in certain academic and professional environments. So I, I, I before we started the show, I felt like I had never built the appropriate network of people who I could relate to who look like me, who are right. similarly situated, like moving through these environments where you're really an other. So I feel like, and we've talked about this off air, um, I feel like I'm building the network now that I didn't get a chance to build in college um, that I felt like I had a missed opportunity in certain other places to find and seek the people out who had a similar experience. Um, And I feel like that's happening now. So we're able to relate in a way, which I think that's part of why the show works. Um, because a lot of the listeners that we have, they can relate to the stories that are being told. And the fact that we are able to be honest about it and have a safe space where people can come in and, and share their perspective. I'm really proud of that. I'm, I'm proud of of what we have built. <laughs> be able to share their perspective and not be attacked for their perspective. Right. Exactly. Right, Because I don't think a lot of like for some reason we're living in a day and age where everybody feels like you're supposed to know a bunch of things. And we're not really asking questions if somebody has an opinion or has had, you know, 
an experience that's different from what's the norm or what's accepted today. Like, why does this person think this way? Let me ask some more questions to figure out what has drawn them to this conclusion in life. And sometimes it's, you know, oh, I don't necessarily agree with that, but okay. But the order of the day with a lot of platforms, if you look at the media, is like they invite people on and they just set people up to right. get a soundbite, a viral moment. And I just, I don't believe in that personally. Yeah. And I, I have not agreed with everything that's been said on the show, but that's not the platform that we're building. And I would rather slow genuine organic growth than sensationalizing someone's story or one thing that they said for the sake of, of going viral. That's, that's not... That's not the platform we're trying no. to build at all. No, that's those sorts of things don't last. Um, you know, you want to build something that's going to stand the test of time. Right. Want to, you know, build a podcast that one day, you know, when their library of Congress is opening up that audio section that you you want them to take these episodes and place them. And OK, this is a encapsulation, a documentation of what black creatives, um, black and brown creatives, social entrepreneurs and uh, entrepreneurs and career people. This is what they were thinking. This was this is what their experiences were during this time period. And we need to save it. That's the attitude you want to have and how you want to go about it. But just trying to get moments, those things are fleeting. Right. They happen all the time. We forget about them. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes I, I, I have I do have my moments where I'm like, oh, we've been doing this for a year, you know, and, and while we've experienced growth in a way that I did not anticipate, I do have the moment where I'm like, man, um, you know, it should be X, Y or Z. But I do appreciate the fact that we're doing it in a very real way and it's not built on something that is fleeting. Right. Like there's a, a solid you know, foundation that's being built for sure. Um, but looking ahead, where do you, where do you see for the show oh, in twenty nineteen? Oh, big things, man. As as uh, the people of Jamaica say, big things are gone in twenty nineteen. Like right? what? <laughs> um, I think I see just uh, you know bigger guests in twenty nineteen. Still to tap, you know people locally, but us actually reaching out to and interacting with some names that are a little bit more known mm-hmm. uh, and having, you know, more long form conversation, long form conversations that people haven't heard before from these people and also kind of branching out to go to different parts of the country to actually speak to people. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm, I'm naming it and claiming it in 2019. I don't know how a lot of this was going to happen, but it's been getting done. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting outside of New York and Jersey area and going to other cities where we're making strides and doing great things and talking to people there as well. I'm looking forward to like recording some live episodes for sure um, in front of an audience. That would be great. So, um, that and getting more like video footage and using that medium as well. Um, and growing, just growing our audience and not just growing our audience for the sake of being able to say we have 10,000 listeners or 25,000 listeners. This, I believe, is a lifestyle. Right. This concept of taking consistent action and unpacking everything that you've been through, all the hardship, the trauma, all that stuff, um, and saying, despite all of that, here are the lessons that I've learned and here are the lessons that I continue to learn. And every single day, even when the days are ordinary, I'm going to do what it takes to really create this vision and manifest it. So um, I'm looking forward to inspiring people in that way and doing conferences and all that great stuff that we speak. Yeah, I, I think it's a movement. I think it's more than a podcast. It's more than a podcast. Uh, and I think our listeners and our audiences uh, are going to grow along with us. It may take some time. It may, all that may not happen this year, but it will happen eventually. 
Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I talk to people a lot about now, um, because I do this show, I think I've always been a person that like people come to um, for advice or they're like, oh, I'm just not feeling it. I'm feeling out of it or depressed or lazy. Um, But now, especially with the show, I get questions a lot around how do I stay motivated? You know, asking me personally, what's my plan, you know, for the coming year, kind of where where I am. And, you know, what what's interesting is, and I'll have a little bit of honesty and, and vulnerability here. You know, this show, if, if you know anything about um, where the name comes from, it's because Christmas was my favorite holiday growing up and then on the 26th it'd be over and if you don't know the whole story listen to episode one we get into it there um but the irony is that i'm a person that does not really get into the holiday spirit anymore me neither like which is just crazy because this is a time of year i looked forward to the most and i think that happens uh For a number of reasons. I think that shift has happened because, A, the work that I do. So for those that don't know, I am a transactional attorney. So I negotiate and draft contracts. Now, what that means uh, for me is that this time of year is one of the busiest seasons for me as an attorney because people are trying to close deals uh, before the year is up. So I'm always really busy, really exhausted. Um, Also, for me, the holidays is is something that I always uh, tie to my grandparents. And because they're not here anymore, I, I think it just reminds me of the fact that they're not here. And to add insult to injury, we lost our our grandfather right before Christmas in 2015, right. um, the, a couple of weeks beforehand. So now it's a season that is connected to grief for me and loss. Um, so it's hard, you know, and, and I, I thought that when we started this show, if we made it to a year, I would be like, in full-blown celebration mode. And the last few weeks have been very trying for us as a show. Um, In addition to just what I've been going through emotionally, um, you know, it being this time of year and your body remembers, even if you're not thinking about it, um, something happens and it just triggers a reaction. I personally believe that it's like that grief is buried in your bones um, and, and something is set off when that that season hits. So for me, you know, I've had to really pull deep into my own toolbox of like how to persevere um, no matter what. And also what happened, I'll just say it. So we applied to um, the Google Podcast Creators Program that PRX is hosting. And we heard about it through like a bunch of people who have been on the show or who listen to the show. And they're like, oh, this is perfect for you guys. So we applied. We slaved, put all this time into the application, like up half the night doing this. And then we had a huge taping the next day. Um, And I think I went into it being like, oh, this is amazing. It would be great to get this. But I don't think I like I think I was like, oh, whatever happens, happens. Like it's a long shot. If it happens, great. If not, we're going to keep it moving. Then somewhere along the way, I don't know when it happened. I think people were gassing me up. I don't know if people were gassing you I was, up. I know I was gassing you. Was <laughs> so, like, nah, this is for us. Yes. I mean, like listeners of the show were like, no, this is they are doing this for you guys. Like this was meant. You guys were meant for uh, this podcast creators program. And then we got that nice smooth rejection notice. Um, I felt like Florida 
Right after James died on good times. <laughs> so, you know, read through the rejection, which, I mean, if anybody knows, the likelihood of getting a rejection for something like this is very high. Um, and, you know, they said in the, in the rejection email that they had gotten, like, thousands of applicants. A, I knew it was going to be a lot of applicants, right? Um, and B, like I said, I, I knew it was kind of a long shot. But I did not think it was going to be thousands upon thousands. So even though the probability of getting one of six slots out of thousands is very low that ego man like it started making me think about like how do we differentiate ourselves uh in a in a really crowded market everybody is podcasting now and your mind just plays these games with you i started asking myself like "Well, well what makes us different you know and um why didn't they see us as something different are we different are, are, are we blazing our own trail or are we just doing what everybody else is doing? So that <laughs> adding that in um, with some of the project, production challenges that we've had in recent weeks and just the whole grief aspect. I definitely had a moment where I was like, I'm worn out like this. This is a lot. And um, I had to practice what I preach and that is to dig really really deep and one of the things that uh, it came back to for me which is really the word that I'm giving everybody who asks me how to prepare for 2019 um, is the first blog post so when I I launched the blog um, the first blog post that we put out I put out was called put a pot of rice on and that was an ode to my grandparents uh, our grandparents once again so growing up we spent a lot of time at their house, like every day at, at our grandparents' house. And that the front door was never locked. <laughs> like literally, it never locked never the door. Locked. Even if nobody was there, you could just roll in. Um, and one of the constants, anybody that knows our grandmother or knew her, knew that she could throw down in the kitchen, like she could burn. And, um, but one of the constants was there was always this banged up pot of rice on the back of the stove. Always. Never had a lid. It was the oldest pot. There was never a lid. She used to put a plate on It was always a plate (laughs) covering the rice. Um, And everybody would feed off that rice. So it it was, you know, there'd be a whole meal, but there was always rice. So as a kid, I loved white rice. I thought it was great. I'm thinking it's like some kind of delicacy. And, you know, we all know you shouldn't be eating that much rice at all now. And and, in 2018, we're a lot more health conscious. But at the time, you know, I thought we're we're eating good here. Um, What I didn't realize until I got early got older was that my grandparents were struggling and the struggling financially and our, our you know our grandfather had uh lost his sight in, in years prior and nana was a primary breadwinner right. um so that rice was not a delicacy it was a necessity it was a way to stretch the meals feed people who were coming in and out it was an always it was always a revolving door of people there um so it was a way for be, people to be able to get full or as she used to say fill the crack fill the crack it was something to fill the crack and whoever didn't um if the rice didn't get eaten it would get thrown out the back feed the birds feed the birds right so whoever whoever didn't eat the rice got a little old it would it, they would mm. throw the rice out the back um so i thought back to that post because it is a concept and a metaphor really for life and what I mean when I say put a pot of rice on is you have to use whatever resources you have, be it personal connections, talents, gifts, 
whatever is in your immediate vicinity, you know, we tend to focus on what we don't have. Oh, if I just had more money, if I just knew this person, um, I just need help. I need a partner to come alongside me. I will be able to do X, Y and Z. It's easy to slip into that victim mentality. And trust me, I've had some conversations with myself in the last couple of weeks about if X, Y, and Z was in place, this would just be so much easier. Um, but I had to remind myself, girl, you got to just put a pot of rice on. You, you also forgetting one of Nana's key sayings. It's making do. You got to make do. You got to make do. You got to make How do. How many times you walked in that kitchen on Stevens Avenue? You're like, Nana, what you cooking? She said, I'm making do. <laughs> whatever whatever she had. Whatever she had. That was what you were eating. That is what you were eating. Um, So that is my word for 2019. Put a pot of rice on. Stop focusing on what it is that you do not have. Glean from the resources that are there and readily available to you and stretch them and make them work for you. You got to fill the crack and you got to make do. Got to make do. Put a pot of rice on. Um, and that's that is what we're doing. We're we're persevering. We are leveraging the resources that we have and we are forging ahead. And I'm excited. Despite everything that has happened, despite disappointment over Google, um, even though I feel absurd like for even being disappointed about that, considering the the amount the number of applications that they I got. I feel like that it was meant for us though. But it's not over. We're gonna resubmit. We're gonna reapply. Um, you know, tighten our message and but in the meantime we're gonna keep working and we're gonna keep putting out content. And I would just encourage our listeners out there um who are who have something that they want to start, just start with whatever you have, just start. Um, and I promise if you do that, other resources will come alongside you because despite the challenges, the people who have come up to us and said, I want to invest in what you're doing and I see what you're trying to make happen by way of space, connecting us with people, whatever, that that part tells me that we're on to something, even if Google and PRX, I think it's just PRX. I don't think Google was a part of the, the application process. But anyway, even if they didn't see it yet, even if people have tried to uh, tarnish our reputation or just accuse us of something that we're not, I'm realizing that we are on to something and we've got to continue, got to continue to push it, push forward, move ahead. Can't stop now. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't give up now. <laughs> that is for sure. Come too far. The turn back now. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody told me. The road would be easy. But I do not believe you brought me this far to leave me. See, come why. on, somebody. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so, yeah, persevere, put a pot of rice on, keep listening to the show. We really, really appreciate you guys and the feedback that you send us and DMs, texts, emails, all that great stuff. Um, it keeps us going on the days when this gets really, really frustrating or when we're just exhausted um, and trying to figure out what to do next. So thank you to you guys. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. When you press stop, just write it down. Whatever it is that you want to accomplish, write it down. Get started now. Um, because before you know it, we'll be having this conversation again and celebrating the two-year anniversary because right, time does right. fly. This last year literally moved at warp speed. I can't believe we're here knocking on the door to 2019. But we are we are really grateful for you guys and uh, happy that you've rocked with us over these 12 months. Any final words that you have other uh, than can't stop, won't stop? Uh, I'm just ready for the new year. Ready to see what it brings, you know. Happy holidays, you know. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa, Barigani. All of that. All of that, you know. And I'll see you all in 2019. We're here to stay. Oh, yeah. We, I'm not going nowhere. We're not going anywhere, for sure. Uh, well, before it's all said and done, we're going to be like the No Limit of podcasting. We're going to hit y'all with like four different podcasts a week. 
It's going to be like a whole network, man. We got a plan. We, we do have a plan. That is for sure. A long-term goal. Listen, if you have been listening to the show, but you have not followed us on social media, please do that. December 26ER, December 26er, you can find us, especially on Instagram. That's where we're probably the most active. Um, also, if you haven't subscribed or left a review, please do that and tell a friend. We have grown because you're out there referring us to people. So um, continue to do that. And as always, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa, and music was provided by Tovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER. 